Fantasy Baseball Today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. September 17th, Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. We have Week 26 sleepers for you. Two-star pitchers, some sneaky dynasty ads if you're still paying attention in those leagues, and a special treat from Scotty Dubs later on in the podcast. Nice little tease. <laughs> Excited for that. What is up, Scott? Are you ready to help people win championships. Two weeks left in the regular season. I think I'm ready. Yeah, I think I'm ready. I, I hope uh, I hope I'll still be competing for some championships myself <laughs> as I'm helping others do it. But yeah, no, we're good. We got this. You are still alive in both podcast leagues, right? Yes, though I made the mistake of starting Kyle Hendricks in one. So. That is uh, unfortunate. So, uh, and that's the categories league, the for the people league. So, you know, probably not going to win ERA and whip this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the other team's ERA and whip's not so great either. But mine's worse. As yeah. of now. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Hendricks. Uh, another one. I kind of I kind of split um, all the leagues where I had Hendricks. I kind of hedged my bet and like started him in some and not in others and you don't you don't know what to expect from that guy ever. It's either going to be a quality starter or a disaster. So, yeah, ZRA is close. To, he's closing in on a five ERA now. So yeah. um, that's that's up to four point eight one. That's yeah. <laughs> you hate to see it from Kyle Hendricks. I mean, we all knew it was a matter of time, but uh, he was a popular player this year because coming off the sixty game season, you thought if anything, he's going to be durable. He's going to give you decent innings. Uh, he's been durable. The innings they have not been decent. Uh, let's talk about some other standouts from the past couple of days. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott, I'm going to get us started here and just talk about one of the players that is carrying your fantasy team. Maybe not yours. I don't know if you have them on any of your teams, but people who are listening, if you have Bryce Harper on your team, he is carrying you <laughs> through the playoffs to the championship in your Roto League, whatever type of league you're playing in, because the guy is having a monster second half. Five more hits between Wednesday and Thursday. Added another homer, another steal. Wasn't a sock and a shoe because they came in different games. Now up to a 314 batting average on the season. 33 homers, 13 steals. The Phillies put up 17 runs, 16 hits on Thursday against the Chicago Cubs. Overall in the second half, Bryce Harper's batting 354, 18 homers, with a 1255 OPS in 57 second half games. The guy has been utterly ridiculous, picking up where he left off last year in the shortened season. And I think he's closing in on a first round pick next year, Scott. Definitely, at least on that border. I think he's going to be at the one-two turn. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how many pitchers go in the first round, because I think that will impact whether Harper's a first rounder or a second rounder. You know, we talked about Bo Bichette last week, and I was thinking more like a second rounder. You were thinking more of a first rounder. Uh, there's just a lot of players 
There are only so many players that can fit in the first round, right? There's only 12. True. Um, and, you know, I, I would say the top four is set in stone, right? Five, if you include DeGrom, maybe. Uh, but there are health questions surrounding him, obviously. Uh, but we know Acuna, Tatis, Soto, and um, Vladimir Guerrero are going to be the top four in some order, provided they all have they, they all enter uh, spring training with a clean bill of health, which may not be the case for Acuna. It may not be for Tatis, technically. Uh, so, you know, then after that, you got you got to figure Jose Ramirez is a first-rounder, Mookie Betts probably a first-rounder still, Trey Turner, and we're up to seven at that point, and then, you know, Freddie Freeman's going to be in the mix, and Mike Trout's going to be in the mix, and... Um, Mike Trout, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who, who would have imagined when he got hurt that he would miss the rest of the season? Like, that was not... You know, I... I hear what you're saying because at the time it's like just a cash drain, but I guess we we should have seen the writing on the wall, right? I mean, the way that they no, descri- described it was still the in the first half, Frank. We were we were thinking, oh, maybe he'll be back by the All Star break. Yeah, but he said that he felt something. Time ago. He said he felt something pop, though. You know, in hindsight, I think it's yeah. We expected. I mean, given the timeline that we had, that yeah, he would be back in sometime July, August. But I mean, if you hear something pop in your calf, that is pretty scary, and, and you know, it's pretty close to the Achilles. Yeah, so, but- the, the, you know. But look, by the time we got into like August, the Angels were out of it, right? Or, or, or close to out of it. So it's at that point, why why even rush him back? I, I know no. Mike Trout wants to play. I'm, you know, elite athletes they want to play, but I mean, why risk you, it? You can't you, know? you can't convince me we could have seen this coming. No, nah, I mean I guess not at the time, but <laughs> it's just I don't know an injury like that. Hearing a calf pop, I mean it's just yeah, that's bad. but it's I a mean, bad injury. You, it, the popping is scary because you expect something to turn up on an MRI. If, when it doesn't, then the pops are relevant. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they were hiding something from us. <laughs> the Scott. pops are relevant, Frank. <laughs> uh, all right. So it's Bryce Harper for me. There's not really much to take away outside of he's awesome. He's going to be on the border of a first round pick next year. Uh, probably depends. Eh, it shouldn't depend on a format, but like Bo Bichette, I was arguing as a first round pick. I think in a categories league, in a points league, doesn't really walk very much. Lower OPS, like. Uh, okay, Bobachet's not a first-round pick in a points league. I, I feel pretty confident saying that. In categories, though, it is a little bit different. All right, Scott, oh my goodness gracious for you from the past couple days. So significantly less rostered than Bryce Harper is Alex Cobb, who made his return on Thursday. It was his first start since August 10th. It was only his second start since July 23rd, because remember, he had kind of a fake-out return there on August 10th. Five shout-out innings at the White Sox. Two hits allowed, struck out five, nine swinging strikes on 66 pitches. That's a great rate. Five of them came on 44% splitters. So he threw a ton of splitters, and that's been, you know, a great approach for him this year. Uh, Obviously, a lot of time between these starts, but in his last five starts, now one earned run or fewer. You look at the underlying stats, 317 XFIP. Great XFIP, elite XFIP, I would say. 317 there. Gets a lot of ground balls with those splitters, and uh, the strikeouts have you know gotten a lot more whiffs this year than we're used to seeing. And so you know he came back looking more or less the same. It's a very good sign. Now Alex Cobb is facing the Astros next week, so hard to recommend him for that. But you know maybe that's for the best because he only threw sixty six pitches in this first start. Give him a chance to 
to build up a little more for the final week of the season when the Angels are scheduled to play the Rangers and the Mariners. Mm. Cobb might start against both of them. You know, obviously it's it's tough to predict this far out and even tougher to predict when Shohei Otani's getting inserted at random times, but um it's possible. Cobb is a two-star pitcher the final week with Rangers and Mariners on the schedule, and that could that could pay serious dividends. So it might be worth stashing him away now. And, you know, if he does manage to do well against the Astros, that's going to make him even, even more attractive start for that final week. Yeah, 23% rostered on CBS right now. I just checked one of my 15-team leagues. He's available there. So especially in deeper leagues, go out and check and see if Alex Cobb is available. Agree with you. Don't want to throw him in there against the Astros, but we'll get that pitch count built up a little bit more. He threw 66 pitches in this first start back. So if he gets up to 70, 75 and looks okay against the Astros, then I think you're right. I think that we can have some confidence using him in the final week of the season, especially with those matchups. Before we hit the news and notes, this Sunday is week two and another NFL on CBS doubleheader. In early action, the Raiders meet the Steelers, while others will see a matchup of rookie quarterbacks when the Patriots take on my New York Jets, although I shouldn't really claim them because it's not very exciting to be a Jets fan right now. Then it's a showdown out West with two teams ready to light up the scoreboard as Justin Herbert and the high octane chargers offense clash with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys coverage begins at noon Eastern with JB and the guys on the NFL today. This Sunday, the best games are on the NFL on CBS news and notes. Blake Snell was finally placed on the IL Wednesday with that left adductor groin strain. And I haven't seen a timetable, but I would be surprised if he makes any more starts this season. Yeah, I would be too. Well, see, I mean, where are they in terms of the standings right now? Like, are the are the Padres going to make the playoffs? I have not checked this in a while, but I know that they've kind of been floundering here in the second half. Oh, that's very much in question. Uh, it's oh my goodness, the Cardinals have passed the Reds. I was going to say it's between the Padres and the Reds, but I guess the Cardinals are in the hunt too. They've won five straight. Wow. And uh, actually, they are technically in the in in position for the second wild card in the NL right now. The Cardinals are so huh. very close between those three teams, but technically, uh, at the moment, the Padres are out of it. Yeah, I mean, Padres half a game, Reds uh, one game behind. The the Phillies are two and a half games behind that second wild card spot. Yeah, the- yeah, it looks like the loser of. Phillies and Braves in the East could potentially claim the second wild card, though that's that's a longer... The, the odds are worse of that. That is... Uh, it's going to be a close race there in the in both wild cards, honestly. I mean, the Yankees, Oakland still battling out. Seattle, maybe a little bit of a longer shot at this point, but my World Series prediction before the season is still kind of alive here, Scott. The White Sox and the Padres. So, I don't feel very good about the Padres, but the White Sox... I think I think they have a pretty good chance. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of feel I was thinking about this today. Um, remember the Padres this offseason? Like they looked like they had a pretty good pitching staff, and then they added Blake Snell, and then they added Joe Musgrove, and then they added you Darvish, and we're like, how many pitchers do you need? This this is <laughs> like that, that's one way to ensure you have enough pitching, right? And yet now they're running like a, they're struggling to fill their number four spot and they're running like Jake Arrieta out there. (laughs) 
And uh, Vince Vince Velasquez Vince, is yeah, starting on Friday. Think about yeah, Vince that. Velasquez. Wow. So I like I I can re- my fantasy teams can relate to the Padres. I think because it's like. Look at all this pitching. How could this go wrong? <laughs> Man, shout out, then, shout out to my guy, Joe Musgrove. On a pitching staff entering the season that featured you, Darvish, Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, yeah, say whatever you want about him. Joe Musgrove has been easily the best of that pitching staff all season if we take consistency into account. So shout out to Big Joe. Getting it done, finally. Michael Brantley also went on the I.L. With, a, with right knee soreness, and we spoke about Jose Siri just the other day. He has started three of the last four games. They have a rotation of outfielders right now. Jake Myers is in the mix. Chaz McCormick is also in that mix. Anyone stand out, Scott, from a deeper league? Siri, Jake Myers, Chaz McCormick? I mean, Myers is still my favorite. I think he has the brightest future, but they're kind of cannibalizing each other's at-bats at the moment, so it's, it's a bad situation for fantasy. I, I feel like... I feel like it's more just uh, scouting them for next year at this point. Jesse Winker could be activated on Friday. Welcome sight. Let's get him back in the lineups if he is back indeed. Uh, Nelson Cruz exited Thursday with a right forearm contusion after getting hit by a pitch. JT Real Muto also returned on Wednesday with a sock and a shoe and then left Thursday's game after being hit by a pitch in his left elbow tricep area. Joe Adele. Went on the IL with an abdominal strain and isn't expected back for the remainder of the season. Brewers manager Craig Council said Willie Adamas could be activated Monday against the Cardinals. Adamas is currently on the IL with a quad injury. Scott, if Willie Adamas is back Monday, do you just throw him back in the lineup or do you worry about maybe he sits because the Brewers have a big lead coming back off of an injury? What do you think? Uh, their matchups next week are middle of the road, but they do have seven games at least. Shortstop, you know, it's 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 the most difficult position to fill off the waiver wire. So you're probably better off starting Adamez unless you just happen to have a great alternative at that position. The Blue Jays are hopeful that Jose Barrios will make his next start after dealing with abdominal tightness on Tuesday. He was great in that start against the Tampa Bay Rays. He went seven innings. Shane McClanahan is expected to be activated off the IL to start Sunday against the Detroit Tigers. So if you play in a daily lineup league, get him right back in there. That's a solid matchup against Detroit. They've been pesky in the second half, but I still do like McClanahan in that spot. Juan Franco hopes to rejoin the Rays sometime next week. He was at the park on Thursday. I saw that he was either jogging or running around, so he is getting closer to returning from that hamstring injury. Carlos Rodon is expected to make two more starts in the regular season with one of those coming next week. Scott, do you feel okay leaving Carlos Rodon in your lineup? I don't think that's automatic no because even in the starts he's been making they've um they, they're limiting to him to to five innings it seems like it, it is uh, when, so next week next week right it, yeah. it looks like it will be in the detroit series so pretty good matchup right i'm not saying you can't use him but it's definitely not must start all right again that is carlos Rodon. shohei otani will not pitch friday due to a sore arm the angels are hopeful that he can still pitch Again, this season. And you know, I haven't looked too deep into Otani's second half, but I know that he's been struggling. I wonder how that, how much that will affect his draft stock for next year. I think he's still going to be oh, a first-round pick, but... Oh, yeah, for sure. I forgot to mention him when we were talking about it at the start yeah. of the show. That's another guy who has to go in the first round. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a first-rounder. I, I just don't know. Like, before it was, oh, he's a lock to be in the top five still. Now, I mean, yeah. it's it's a pretty, pretty rough second half for him. 
Yeah, the batting average has been rough, but there's still been a lot of home runs and stolen bases. And I, I don't think it matters that much. I mean, he was, I, I, he's the, even in points leagues, which isn't really his format, he's the number two outfielder in overall points, you know? So I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Ahmed Rosario was placed on the bereavement list on Wednesday. Framber Valdez was scratched from his start on Thursday with a cut on his hand. Dusty Baker told reporters he's hopeful Valdez can start Monday against the Angels, which uh, grinds my gear, Scott, because I started Valdez in two head-to-head points semifinals matchups this week, and now I'm not going to get a start. So, I mean, there's nothing you could do. It's just... It's bad luck. I There was some hope that he might be able to start this weekend, but now they're talking more so about Monday. So if you manage to squeak by, uh, maybe we'll have a two-star week for Framber Valdez next week. Uh, yeah, I think I made that mistake in a league too where I had a really good alternative and I was sweating the decision. And Yeah. Uh, that's annoying. I started Valdez over Joe Musgrove, actually. It was Valdez it, against... Yeah, the- something like that. Yeah, Valdez against the Rangers, and then Musgrove was up against the Giants. And Musgrove was okay on Wednesday. It wasn't. It wasn't really that good of a start. It was like a quality start, but like not really a quality start. I think he wound up with like 16 fantasy points, but those are 16 points that I will not have on my team this week. Uh, Ian Anderson yeah, started. Yeah, I started Valdez over Lucas Giolito. It's a, a tough one too because he's coming back from injury. Ah, oh Framber, what? Why, why are you doing this? Ian Anderson's start was postponed on Thursday, but will start Friday against the San Francisco Giants. Jesus Aguilar is not expected to return to the Marlins this season. That means Lewin Diaz, who we spoke about the other day, will continue to play every day, mostly every day, for the Miami Marlins. Some pop if you play in a deeper league. Gabe Kapler said there's a good chance Alex Wood is activated off the COVID IL Saturday and starts against the Braves. Luis Severino will throw two innings in a simulated game on Friday. Not really much to see there. It's more so, let's see what he does rest of season, if the Yankees make the playoffs, and and then we'll kind of use that to judge Severino for next year. Jacob DeRizzi is expecting to return after the minimum 10 days on the IL. Daniel Lynch exited Thursday start due to left calf tightness. James Kerpillion will transition into the bullpen for the rest of the season, so if you needed that final push to drop him off your fantasy team, that is it. Seth Beer, he dislocated his shoulder on Tuesday, but apparently feels better and wants to take swings and is considered day-to-day, so you could, you could probably drop him anyway, but there's a chance that he plays again, which I didn't think there was a chance of that the other day. The prospect report, there's not really a prospect report anymore, but Scott, I saw that you wrote Pretty interesting article on the site, and it was 11 yeah. no-name prospects to add in di- uh, in dynasty leagues at this point in the season. You know, of course, if you're competing for something, you know, you want to pick up players that can help you. But for the people that are not, if you want to pick up a few prospects, now is the time to do so. So, who are let's say your top three favorites that are on that list? Well, most of my favorites, we actually, I'm sure we have talked about on the podcast. Um, but I don't necessarily think of the article audience as, is the same as the podcast audience. Um, my favorites, these aren't necessarily my favorites, okay? But these are the ones I want to talk about today. Vinny Pasquantino, okay. who um, has just had an amazing season between high class A and double A for the Royals. He's a first baseman. He's pretty much limited to first base. Obviously, they have Nick Prado, 
who's at a breakout season between double A AA and triple A. So he's a level ahead, but he's actually a year younger than Pasquantino. And the past couple of days, he started in right field. Prado has. Potentially, they're thinking, you know, we really have something in this Pasquantino guy. And uh, maybe we could see if Prado has some versatility. Uh, Pasquantino has about the same number of extra base hits, walks, and home runs. Or, I'm sorry, extra base hits, walks, and strikeouts. Just still impressive, but not, um, <laughs> not as impressive if home runs was equal. <laughs> uh, batting over 300 and OPS near 1,000. Just a really good all-around hitter. And there's, there's this great sequence I tweeted out on Twitter earlier today where he hits, he basically hits three balls out of the park in a row. It's just that the first two were foul. And then he <laughs> managed to keep the third one fair. I'm getting really excited about him. I'm not totally sure that Nick Prado is the better prospect, at least for fantasy purposes. Probably, but I'm not totally sure of that with the the way Pasquantino's been going here. So he's he's number, he's one I'm talking about. Uh, I also want to talk about Matt Brash again. Matt Brash, Mariners pitcher, who they got for reliever Taylor Williams last year, who was a closer at the time, but not a very noteworthy one. And now he's not even a major leaguer. And they got this guy, Matt Brash, who, I mean, the numbers are amazing. I could read them off to you. The strikeout rates through the roof. But what really stands out for Matt Brash, and I include a clip of this in, uh, in the article, is his slider. Just, just like a Frisbee. I couldn't really explain to you how ridiculous it is, but uh, you can understand why some scouts are thinking it's the best slider in all the minors for this Matt Brash guy. And, you know, the, the Mariners have this wealth of young pitching that's going to be due to arrive. Brash is not the biggest name of the bunch, but I don't think it's a stretch to think he could actually be the best of the bunch if things go right. So Matt Brash is another one to keep an eye on. And, and this is a new name. This is one I know we haven't mentioned on the podcast yet. Joey Weimer, outfielder for the Brewers. Now, this guy's really fun. 25 homer, 30 steal season so far, high OBP. Uh, he's fun in a couple of ways. He has this like, he has this like really unorthodox batting stance with a lot of moving parts. And I'm sure he gets, you know, that, that takes down his prospect value some because the scouts don't like that. It, it looks pretty ugly. And you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want the kids emulating it on the schoolyard. But clearly it's working for Weimer. And he's just like another reason you see some sometimes prospects with those kinds of numbers drop is just because they're not very athletic and they're limited defensively and they may turn out to be great fantasy players but you know you 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 don't like them being so limited defensively as a prospect because it really gives them a narrow path to the majors but Weimer is like a freak athlete too i mentioned he has 30 plus steals this year and like this is another clip i included in an article he did this a couple times at the uh, Cincinnati in college, Cincinnati, the, the, the Bearcats, the way he ev- evades a tag when he's stealing a base, he'll like slide on his belly and then he'll like do this push up thing where he like raises his whole body up above the tag and gets in safely because of that. So just like a really athletic move 
This guy looks like a lot of fun, Joey Weimer. I just got him added to the to the system, actually. So you can actually pick up Joey Weimer now. Um, but that's that's the third one I want to highlight here. Okay. You can find eight others in the article on the site. I'm watching this like push-up slide thing right now. This is pretty awesome. Yeah. That is uh yeah. That's it's not a that's move. crazy. He like he like leapfrogs it. He's like mid-slide, does a push-up like uh-huh. three feet off the ground, evades the, the tag. That is yeah, that is something. That is, that is I found a couple different highlights of him doing that at Cincinnati. <laughs> that is all right. So Scott, can you reopen the waiver wire in the Scott White Dynasty League? Because I need to make a few moves. <laughs> I want to pick up uh, this Jonathan Weimer guy and, and stash him on my on. Yeah, on Weimer's time. the only one who isn't rostered. The other two I mentioned, Brash and Pasquantino, both are. Oh, Pasquantino, by the way, I mean a plus name. We've mentioned it before, but that is just fantastico. So I am big fan there of uh, the Pasquantino. And again, you can find the other names on the site. And can't give out everything here on the podcast. We do want to drive some traffic there to Scott's article. He puts a lot of work in, a lot of fun video clips on that article. So make sure to go check it out. The last prospect note I wanted to mention, there was some speculation, Scott, that Shane Boz was going to get the call uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays on Friday. Turns out he was scratched from his start Thursday at AAA due to back spasms. So when people saw that, they started, okay, well, he's a candidate to make the start. They actually turns out they pull uh, Luis Patino up a day, and then he's going to start Friday. So it, it seems like we were close, but nope, it was actually back spasms. Yeah. Which too bad. sucks. But who knows? <laughs> uh, I guess there's a chance that we see Shane Bosn like, the postseason as a reliever or something, but I mean that's isn't that when McClanahan debuted last year in the postseason itself? That sounds right, but yeah. I cannot so say for certain off the top. It's something of my head. the Rays have done before. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, he did not make a regular season appearance last year. Was it wasn't isn't that what they did with David Price too that year? No, they they called him up during the regular season. Adalberto oh, okay. Mondesi, I think, made his debut in the postseason. Okay, but those are the only two I can think of. Interesting. All right, well, let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll help you get ready for the second-to-last week of the season. Let's do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe... You want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The Week 26 Pitcher and Hitter Planner is presented by Lining Kugels. And of course, the scheduling is wild and wacky for the second to last week. They save it for uh, one of the most pivotal parts of the season. One team has nine games next week. That is Cleveland. Three teams have eight games next week. That includes the Braves, the White Sox, and the Cardinals. Fifteen teams have seven games next week. Nine teams have six games. And then two lonely teams have five games. So we have 
teams ranging from five all the way to nine games in the second to last week when, you know, it's the most important time of the year. Uh, those two teams with five games are the Red Sox and the Mets. So let's just quickly figure out which players are must start on those teams, Scott. For the Red Sox, Rafael Devers, and then I included Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez on this list, but they are having very mediocre second halves. Uh, Bogarts, a 763 OPS. J.D. Martinez, a 762 OPS in the second half. Are we starting those guys in a five-game week if you're if it's a weekly lineup lock? Probably. I could I could see a league being so shallow that you could think about sitting them, but it would be it would be a rare sort of league. I, the kinds of hitters I'm putting on my top ten sleeper hitters list for the upcoming week those those aren't the sorts of players you would sit Bogarts or Martinez for. How about Hunter Renfro, Enrique Hernandez, Kyle Schwarber? Probably not in in a five game week, right? Uh, maybe Schwarber and if I. Five outfielder league, you're probably still starting Schwarber, uh, Renfro, and Hernandez. You know, it, it just it kind of depends on what league we're talking about. If we're talking about a 12 team, three outfielder league, head to head lineup, you know, probably try to find an upgrade. But deeper than that, it might be difficult to do so. All right. And then for the Mets, I had must start as Pete Alonso and Javier Baez. I think that's it. I, I know Lindor has been better in September. I don't know that he is a must start in a five game week. What do you think? Yeah. I think that's right. Alrighty, let's move on to some pitching. The two-star pitchers for next week, and there are a lot of them, Scott. So hit me. Who are some of your favorites? Yeah, so this was it came very close to being the first week where my top 10 sleeper pitchers for the upcoming week are all two-star pitchers. Wow. Uh, so I ended up going... I ended up putting Logan Gilbert in there at the Angels as a one-star pitcher, so it wasn't quite there, but... But yeah, there are a lot of good ones. Um, the Pest has been at the top of the sleeper pitchers list for several weeks. Of course, it's Ranger Suarez. But listen to these matchups for Ranger Suarez versus the Orioles and versus the Pirates. Ooh, league and I, winner. And league winner with his 150 ERA and still only 75% rostered. He's facing the Marlins next week, too. Uh, no. Next week, he's obviously facing the Orioles and Pirates. But the week after that, he's facing the Marlins. Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nestor Cortez, who I feel like is the other pitcher we keep put, we, we, we keep putting out there and people are not taking it. Uh, the Rangers is one of his matchups. At the Red Sox, not as good. But it, it doesn't seem like it's mattered for him who he's faced lately. He's just been so difficult to square up with that variable delivery. Uh, if Joe Ryan is a two-star pitcher and it's not exactly clear when he's pitching again because he left after getting hit in the wrist last time, seems like he's fine, but you know, I think he's going to be back for time for two starts. The first would be against the Cubs. I suspect he'll go against the Cubs even if he ends up being a one-star pitcher, so that's that's a good enough matchup to like Joe Ryan as a sleeper. So Vladimir Gutierrez and Carlos Hernandez, they both be- let us down recently, and I was pretty suspicious of them to begin with, but obviously they put together a good run, a lot of quality starts. Really good matchups for both this week, though. Vladimir Gutierrez is going against the Pirates and Nationals, and Carlos Hernandez is at Cleveland and at Detroit. So, at least in points leagues, probably got to stick with them. Tony Gonsolin, kind of a stretch, uh, because he's not fully stretched out yet, but... 
went five innings last time on a limited number of pitches, and he's at Colorado. You know, not not the greatest thing, obviously, but at Arizona in the second start, and he lines up for two starts. So at least in points leagues, I think he gives some thought to Tony Gonsolin. These next three are kind of deeper options. Jesus Lizardo going against the Nationals and Rays. Drew Rasmussen, you know, probably not going to go more than five innings, but they've been effective innings. Toronto's his first matchup. That's not good. The second is Miami, though. And Eric Fetty at Miami at Cincinnati. We've seen some improvement with him recently, leaning on the curveball more. So, you know, if you're really, really looking to get an extra start in there, I don't think Eric Fetty is the worst choice. Yeah, the matchup's there for Fetty at the Marlins, at the Reds. So, uh, like many two-star pitchers that we've seen before, one good matchup, one kind of scary, obviously, in Great American Ballpark. It sounds like Jesse Winker will be back uh, in the lineup by that point. So, that is... Uh, it's pretty scary. I have him in a 15-team league, probably going to roll with him, but anything shallower than that, you, you could probably find someone better to get in your lineup next week than Eric Fetty. Jesus Lazardo, we spoke about him the other day, too, Scott. I mean, I'm scared. It's just against the Nationals, he just faced them, and yeah. you know he didn't perform well, and then at Tampa, it's a pretty scary matchup. So uh, if you're... Well, that's, that is what makes these sleeper pitchers, and of course. they're number eight. Lazardo, Rasmus, and Fetty, eight, nine, and ten on the list. I'm not looking to start any of them in my leagues, but you know, you might be in a more desperate situation than I am. Uh, Scott, do you have Antonio Sensatella as a two-star pitcher for next week? No, I don't. I understand he is listed that way on the site currently, but uh, there was a rainout today. Yep, Thursday. Uh, so that pushed everybody back a day. So I assume it's going to be John Gray who makes two starts. And um, I left him off the sleepers list because those two starts are against the Dodgers and the Giants, both in Coors Field. Gray's numbers have been better at Coors Field, but still, yeah, I hard hard to recommend that. I do wonder, so if Sensatella doesn't have two starts next week, that means he'll probably have two starts for the final week of the season. And I know it looks like I'm looking at my phone because I am, which is... Uh, not very polite while we're doing a podcast here, but you can see on the sites the entire schedule, how it projects out, uh, on the app, rather. And if he has two starts in the final week, Scott, Antonio Sensatella, that would be against the Nationals and at the Diamondbacks, which, that's pretty good. And considering Sensatella has thrown seven straight quality starts, he's 28% rostered, I'm not saying pick him up and start him next week, but mm-hmm. might be someone uh, kind of like... Alex Cobb, who we told you pick up and maybe hold for the final week of the season. What do you think? I don't think he's nearly as good as Cobb. I agree His with that. His recent success feels a lot like Vladimir Gutierrez. And um, I don't know. And skill-wise, he may be closer to like an Eric Fetty. So, you know, I don't know that it's worth stashing him ahead of time. He probably will be among my 10 sleeper pitchers if he lines up for those two starts going into the final week. But he'll be pretty low on the list. All right, Scott mentioned... That was Sensatella we were just talking about. Yep, and you mentioned that you only have one single-star streamer on that list, Logan Gilbert at the Angels. He's 65% rostered. Had a great first start earlier this week against the Boston Red Sox. On the hitter side of things, Scott, who are some of your favorite sleeper hitters that are rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues? It's a great week for hitters. As you mentioned, a ton of games. And... uh, just a lot of bad pitchers in the league right now. So great week for hitters. 
Number one on this list, he's it's kind of the the Ranger Suarez of hitters is Frank Schwindel. My man. Still only 61% roster. What do you call him? Frankie two hits? Frankie two hits. Back to You know to how pack. many hits he had Thursday? Two more. You know how many he had on Wednesday? Two. Two more. That's right. <laughs> it's been 341 now, I think. One of those was a home run off of your boy Ranger Suarez. What do you think about that? I know. <laughs> man, worlds colliding. Did not know what to make of it. It was the it was the Larry David GIF. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Frank Schwindel, Brandon Belt, the Giants are going to be in Colorado for three games, and he's been crushing it. Plus, I think only one lefty on the schedule. Tyler O'Neill and Adam Duvall, they both have good hitter schedules this upcoming week. Andrew Benintendi had a five hit game on Wednesday and has been pretty hot really since going back to mid August, but especially over the last week or so. So Andrew Benatendi is somebody to look at. Nicky Lopez, his teammate. Like the Orioles matchups this week. So Anthony Santander is on here. I left Austin Hayes off, though, because it's almost all righties that the Orioles are facing. And Hayes does most of his damage against lefties. You know, I mentioned the Giants matchups. Evan Longoria seems like he's playing close to every day. He just had another big game on Thursday, a double and a home run continues to produce, so I would call him a sleeper hitter for next week. With the Rockies at home, of course, I got to put Brendan Rodgers on here. Leas Diaz didn't make the list, but you know it's worth mentioning with all those home games. So there's a lot of good hitters to choose from. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Scott, you mentioned dating back to mid-August. His last 30 games, he has a 352 batting average. Not really hitting for much power or stealing bases. Only four home runs during that span, but batting average has been great for Andrew Benintendi over the last month or so. Uh, Brandon Belt, really happy you brought him up. I mean, the guy is just red hot right now. He has five homers over his last nine games. And you mentioned that the Giants have one lefty on the schedule. What I saw on CBS was that that was Blake Snell. I don't know if you saw a different lefty, Scott, but if Blake Snell doesn't start... There might not be any lefties on the schedule against Brandon Belt. And if that's the case, then he well, can... Those Rockies pitchers getting pushed back pushed Kyle Freeland back okay. in the onto the Giants' schedule. So I still think it'll be one. All right. Well, As, as much as we can predict these things ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, right? for sure. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm right there on Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria with the Giants. Again, the five teams with the best hitter matchups. The Phillies, the Reds, the White Sox... Cleveland and the Dodgers, the five teams with the worst hitter matchups, the Rays, the Padres, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Diamondbacks. So there you have it. The week 26 pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels. And I snagged my summer shandy at City Field last weekend. Awesome game between the Yankees and Mets on Saturday. Summer shandy was Glorious. That smooth blend of beer and refreshing lemonade that hits the perfect spot when relaxing, watching a baseball game, checking your fantasy teams, whatever you might be doing, make sure to grab a summer shandy. And we know that's not all Liner, Line and Kugels has to offer. They also have their Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, and it's only 99 calories. And let's not forget about their Lemon Haze IPA, a well-balanced hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. No matter what type of beverage you're craving, Lining Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Lining Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. I do have two would you rathers here, Squat, uh, Scott. And your name is Scott, not Squat. But <laughs> uh, none of these names were on your sleeper hitters list. So I'm digging a little bit deeper here. But let me know what you think. 
some top prospects-ish. Jesus Sanchez, who had a double dong on Wednesday, both opposite field. One of them came off of a lefty. You look at his splits, actually very fair between lefties and righties. It's, there's not much of a difference. He's, I think it's right between 750 and 800 OPS against both of them on the season. Uh, 29% rostered. He has five homers over his last six games. Jesus Sanchez does. And then Brandon Marsh, who is still striking out quite a bit. But last seven games, he's hot again. Nine hits, one homer, one steal. He led off on Thursday for the Angels. Uh, they have seven home games next week. He's 23% rostered. Let's say you're in a five outfielder league, Scott. Probably depends on what stats you need, but just in a vacuum, who do you like more, Jesus Sanchez or Brandon Marsh next week? Sanchez, he has the better matchups, though neither team has great matchups. And... His his production's been more relevant to fantasy, but he is very home run dependent. He's happened to hit a lot of home runs recently, but doesn't walk much and is in a bad lineup. So I'm not thrilled to start Sanchez either, but I would prefer him to uh, to Brandon Marsh. I, I am depending on you here, Scott, because you have to keep me grounded. Because I, I'm sure this happens for a lot of people, but... I just develop an affinity for like anyone on my dynasty team that's in your league. And Jesus Sanchez is one of those players. So I just get very ecstatic about anything that he does. And it was pretty fun yeah. to see him hit an opposite field home run off of a lefty. So I'm getting more excited about Jesus Sanchez. <laughs> but whenever I do this, oh, you just, could still have a good future. Yeah, yeah. Just starting out. I mean, just keep me grounded. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to misspeak just because uh, I have this guy on my dynasty team. Someone who you might have waited on your dynasty team. Uh, Dynasty Team 4 to do anything is Gavin Lux. He has started six straight games for the Dodgers. He has seven hits during that span, uh, 35% rostered. He has six road games this upcoming week at the Rockies, at the Arizona Diamondbacks. It does look like there's two lefties on the schedule as of now. Gavin Lux either won't play or he hasn't performed well against lefties. Or Josh Harrison, 35 games since coming over to the Oakland A's. He's batting 299, two homers, nine doubles, four steals, Seven home games next week for Harrison. Not very exciting, but, you know, a floor play. Someone who I think will give you something. Who do you like more between those two for next week, Gavin Lux or Josh Harrison? Again, some reconfiguring of the schedule here. It looks like no lefties, actually, for the Dodgers next week, and they have the fifth-best matchups. Ooh. Three games at Colorado. Ooh. So I did consider Gavin Lux for the 10 sleeper hitters. I believe only one of his hits since coming back from the minors is an extra base hit. So I'm not sold on Gavin Lux having figured things out all of a sudden, but uh, yeah, he's worth. Yeah, he's a sleeper on some level, I guess, for next week. Yeah, again, if you need hitters, refer to Scott's sleeper hitter list. But maybe if you play in a deeper league, these are some names that are available. I just want to bring up the other Oakland A's hitters. If I mean, these are for deeper leagues. Tony Kemp is 5% rostered. Elvis Andrus is 16% rostered. Both of those guys are hitting pretty well right now. So, again, they have seven home games next week against the Astros and the Mariners. But it sounds like you don't really like their matchups, right, Scott? No. No, I mean, it's kind of... Kind of, kind of some pitchers who are... Can be great sometimes, but, you know, like Framber Valdez, Zach Granke, Yusei Kikuchi... Chris Flexen, you could see how it, it would end up being a really good week for the A's lineup, but it could also be a pretty bad week, so it's hard to say. Uh, my favorite of the ones you mentioned is Josh Harrison, but it is a floor play, as you mentioned. Okay. How about in 
even deeper leagues. Matt Manning put together a quality start, a pretty pretty good start against the Brewers. His most recent timeout, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. He has allowed three earned runs or less in five of his last six starts. The one where he didn't, he got blown up. Uh, he's 23% rostered at home against the White Sox next week, it looks like. And a gentleman named Josh Rogers for the Nationals pitched five shutout innings on Wednesday against the Marlins. He has allowed just five earned runs over three starts here with the Nationals, 17 and a third innings pitched during that stretch. 1% rostered. He has SPARP eligibility, and it looks like he's at the Marlins again next week. He's got any interest in the deepest of leagues, Matt Manning and Josh Rogers. I'm not ready to trust in Manning. This was his best career start, obviously. But, you know, it has a lot, a lot to prove still. And it's not like he lit up the Brewers. It was just, you know, pretty good start. Josh Rogers, I don't think he's anybody. Uh, 27-year-old, his numbers in the minors this year were a 448 ERA, 136 whip, 6.3K per nine. You know, he's done fine in the majors so far, but I would not put my trust in Josh Rogers. A Josh Rogers has no name, according to Scott. Something like that. He said he's a nobody. Uh, Man, you know, I was thinking about this recently. My brother-in-law is watching Game of Thrones for the first time. I really wish that they did more with the Arya Stark storyline with like the faceless Jock and Hagar. It's uh, it's completely random. But when I said that, it just made me think, I wish they did more with that. That was, to me, was yeah. one of like the most compelling subplots in Game of Thrones. And they just, they didn't do anything with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I was, I was underwhelmed with the direction that went. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, while it was happening, I was I was super into it. I'm like, man, they've got to use this towards the end of the show. I mean, something crazy's got to happen. She's gonna take Jamie Lannister's face or something, and something's gonna happen with Cersei, <laughs> and it just never happened. Like, well, they just didn't she, do anything with she it. She did use it to, I don't know, I don't know. Scott, Wait, we are any spoilers here. We are way past spoilers. If spoiler alert, maybe not. I don't she know. did use it to get back at that guy for the red wedding. That's true. To open eh. season. Seven, I think it was. That's true. I, I wish there was more, though. Yeah, I just, I just found the whole thing to be not very interesting. Like that character when they first introduced him, and I, I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. Jockin, when they first introduced Hagar. him in season two. Yeah. Like he seemed like the most awesome person ever. Right. And then when you find out more about him, it's just like, eh, it's just you know, goofy. Um, <laughs> Goofy, good. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm having a hard time with words tonight. But that's all right, man. It's, a, it's a, late. Uh, just another, just another religion that's not a a bad and a bad rendition of a religion. Unfulfilled potential. That's basically <laughs> the story of Game of Thrones. The show, in my opinion, a few other deeper names here. I wanted to mention Matt Duffy back to back games with a home run. He's 2% rostered. Six games next week against the Twins and the Cardinals. It looks like he's going up against some pretty bad pitching. Griffin Jacks, Jay Happ, Jake Woodford, John Lester. Let off, I think, in his most recent game. So this is a deep league play. Uh, and then Willie Calhoun, who we mentioned, returned on Wednesday. Three hits with a double, an RBI, two, uh, and a run scored in two games since returning. And the Texas Rangers are at the Yankees and at the Orioles next week. 15% rostered. Scott, any interest? Willie Calhoun, Matt Duffy. No. 
right. Some quick leftovers. <laughs> he needs to play more. If he played more, maybe. Yeah. Uh, some quick leftovers I want to hit. Trevor Rogers has not gone more than four and a third innings in three starts since returning. He is up against the Nationals next week, who has a 3.86 ERA against the season. And then he, it looks like he's lining up for at the Mets and at home against the Phillies in the final week. Scott, should we hold on to Trevor Rogers, or is it okay to drop him if one of your sleeper pitchers are available, let's say? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't expect to use Trevor Rogers anymore this season. He's probably droppable. Since returning, all three have been less than five innings. His fastball was down 1.8 miles per hour. It's got to be a really hard player to figure out where to rank him this offseason because mm. obviously he looked like a world beater for the first three months or so and then it's just you know I, I imagine managing workload has played into it a lot but definitely underwhelming even with the innings he's gotten yeah I've got him in the Scott White Dynasty League too how about this I three of my best players are Marlins how did that happen I have Trevor Rogers Pablo Lopez and Jesus Sanchez so let's go Marlins Robbie Ray Awesome. Again, seven innings pitched, one run, 13 strikeouts to zero walks against the Tampa Bay Rays on Wednesday. He is the SP8 in fantasy points per game, a 2.64 ERA, a 101 whip. Fantastic. Awesome. Any word you want to use to describe, that is Robbie Ray this year. Another one which will be pretty interesting to figure out where we're ranking him for next season. John Means, over his last five starts, has a 3.30 ERA. However, that comes with a 4.92 XFIP. Would you start him next week? Do you have him for two starts, Scott? Because CBS had him for Texas and at the Phillies. If it's not two starts, then he's just at home against Texas, which is no, pretty I have good. him for two starts. Okay. Um, John Means, I he's in the in my two-start pitcher rankings. He is in the better left for points leagues category. So he's the top player on that list, but he's better left for points leagues. Uh, yeah, I think that is definitely fair, given those underlying numbers. Tyler McGill, hey, come on, man. You're making us look bad here. We just talked about him. Weekend recap, two podcasts ago. Tell people to use him against the Cardinals. Guy just goes out there and gets absolutely clobbered. Three innings, nine hits, six earned runs. He's 56% rostered. He's at the Red Sox next week, so you're definitely not using him in that start. But it looks like he might face the Marlins and the Braves in the final week of the season. Either way, I I just don't think I want to trust Tyler McGill, even even if he has two starts for that final week. Yeah, he he. I don't think he does, but I want to trust him either. Okay, Kyle Tucker. Uh, we spoke about Bryce Harper's monster second half. Tucker, three forty two batting average, eleven homers, six steals, ten fifty three OPS. I think he's definitely in that discussion. Not one two turn, but I, I think he's a second round pick. Pick probably closer to like that two three turn, but. Kyle Tucker, uh, awesome season after a slow start in April. Jose Arquiti at Texas Rangers, six innings, one run, had six strikeouts. He's only 47% started on CBS, Scott, and it looks like he's at the Angels. Well, no, because if Framber Valdez is starting Monday now, this is kind of up in the air because Jose Arquiti might have two starts next week at the Angels and at Oakland. They should both, unless the Astros insert a sixth guy. So we, and uh, I think it's time to I think it's time to activate Urquidy again. He's, you know, he was stretched out enough to go six innings last time to start week. You know, the matchups could be better. Angels has turned out to be a pretty good matchup recently. I think it's I think it's time to get him active. All right, I like him more than John Means. 
I agree with that. Tyler Malley at the Pirates on Thursday. Six shutout with four strikeouts to one walk. How about this? I did not realize how stark his splits were to the season. 6.09 ERA at home, 185 ERA on the road for Tyler Malley. And he's at home next week for two starts. Uh, it's against the Pirates and the, and the Nationals. So I assume we're still starting him, Scott, but he's been very bad at home. I hadn't noticed that either. Interesting. Obviously, Cincinnati is not the greatest place to pitch. Now, he has been on a good run recently, so I imagine there's been a number of home starts in there. And, oh, wow. <laughs> those those are all the not-so-great starts. <laughs> Except for the one he had against Pittsburgh back on August 8th at home. Struck out 10 in seven innings, two earned runs allowed. Mm. And Pittsburgh's one of the two teams he's facing this week. All I right. just think the matchups are too good and... Yeah, I, I, I'd call Mally a must-start for this week. Get Mally in your lineups next week. Uh, Salvador Perez hit his 45th home run of the season, and that ties the league lead with Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, just another well, one. It, it ties Johnny Bench for the most home runs ever hit by a catcher in a season. Wow. So I, I, I know he gets some games at DH, so it's probably not... Technically the well, same, but Johnny Bench didn't get all those games a catcher either. So we're we're not even considering that. Just as somebody who primarily play, played catcher during the season, Salvador Perez is now tied for having hit the most home runs. Now case. I don't yeah. want to jinx him, but I mean he's going to break the record. <laughs> Salvador Perez, yeah, presumably. Yeah, the way he's playing right now, we still have uh, two and two and a half weeks left. Two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's going to happen. Wow, what a ridiculous! Season. He's going to push fifty home runs. Salvador Perez, a catcher. That is. Wow. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, last time we spoke about him, I said, ah, he's pretty mad. You know, he's inconsistent. Well, <laughs> he uh, he showed me at the Orioles, five and two thirds, one run, 12 strikeouts. He had 22 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. He's currently 50% started on CBS, and he's at home against the Texas Rangers next week. Get him in your lineups. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I've, I've never been that wild about benching him, and I think... Like 22 swinging strikes in this start, 18 in his previous start. He entered today with a 13.6% swinging strike rate, which would be in the top 10 if he had enough innings to qualify. It'd be up there basically with all the Cy Young contenders and, and Dylan Cease. And Jordan Montgomery's up there with all of them in swinging strike rate. So I, uh, this was his first full season back from Tommy John, right? Because we can't count last season as a full season. That, um, yep, that is. Correct. I don't know. He might have. He might have a much higher ceiling than he's given credit for. Last year, he he made ten starts last year. But yeah, I mean, he's yeah, up. He was he was healthy the full season, but it obviously wasn't a full season. Yeah, uh, look, this is what Montgomery does, though, Sky. It's that's what's so interesting about it is the swinging strike rate is always high. And you know, earlier in the season, I'm saying, all right, well, is this the breakout? But I feel like for couple of years now dating back to well, when he was healthy it, it, it's been higher than ever this year yeah um and i still- would just I, I would just say there there's a chance he can make a small adjustment potentially and be go from being good to great yeah i, he I just, think it's in there he has to develop more consistency i mean I, I've watched a lot of him and it's just like when he's off, he he just like misses his spots within the zone and, and uh, you know, he doesn't throw very hard. He's pretty crafty. He throws like four or five different pitches, but when he misses, he can, he can get hit hard. So there is some inconsistency, but I, I think you're right. Like if he just, if he tweaks something, I don't know what that thing is, 
there there could be an extra gear here for uh, Jordan Montgomery. Is there an extra gear for Kyle Hendricks? I don't think so. He gave up seven earned runs uh, over three and two-thirds innings against the Phillies. His ERA is up at 4.81, and it uh, looks like he is one start next week against the Minnesota Twins, and then it could be, it looks like, at the Pirates, at the Cardinals for the final week, but... I, I just I can't I can't trust Kyle Hendricks at this point, Scott. Yeah, I mean, if he happens to pitch well against the Twins in a points league, maybe you go with him for those final two turns. But no. it's not. Don't talk yourself it's not into something this. I'm excited to do. Well, did, <laughs> let's see how he does against the Twins first. I'm not using him against the Twins. All right, uh, before we hit the bullpen updates, and we got some streamers to the weekend, a few emails too. We're probably going to run a little bit long here, but I want to want to help the people out. It's the second to last week of season. It's obviously very important. I teased at the top that we have a special treat from our guy here, Scotty Dubs. And this is in conjunction with uh, one of our good friends, friends of the podcast, who we haven't had on this podcast yet, but I do plan to do it this offseason. David Mendelson, who hosts the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, they just had their 100th episode, so it's a nice milestone for them. I hopped on uh, with a couple other people, Jeff Erickson of Rotowire, and we had some fun, and we were you talking out. They've had me on their podcast before, but even more interesting is that they've had Ty Buttry on their podcast, Scott, and they played mm-hmm. your Michael Caine impression for Ty mm-hmm. Buttry, and it was like an awesome experience to see. So if you want to go see it or you can watch it on YouTube, you can go listen to it. It was pretty cool uh, them playing your Michael Caine impression for Ty Butchery. It was, mi- was mind-blowing, right? It, it was awesome. But, Ty um, Butchery hearing me do my Ty Butchery <laughs> in the Michael Caine voice. Uh, but I heard a little rumor that uh, y- you, might have, you might have something for us here last couple of weeks of the season. A, a nice special treat. Well, Frank... I once knew a man named Lorenzo, last name Gain, like mine, only spelled differently, no E. So the season-long tournament is coming to a close. So I've been told, anyway, it's not my sport of choice. But as I recall, the population as a whole loses interest once American football is back in session, as it is now. It causes certain young men to be overlooked, underappreciated, if you will, which brings a certain level of discord to the proceedings. And so I've been advised to recommend to your fictitious baseball club two young men in particular, who you haven't heard of, neither have I, Ranger Suarez and Frank Schwindel. No idea what these young men bring to the table, but as I understand it, their vitality, their manner of skill, is off the charts. It reminds me of another young lad who played the sport, not too many years ago. Die Buttery, of course, was his name. But Die didn't die. No, Die didn't die. He's still making the rounds, doing the talk show circuit, which is a matter Michael Caine knows a little something about. My own favorite part is if you're rich and famous enough, you get your own private area backstage, complete with refreshment, usually some sort of scone or biscuit, occasionally filled with some kind of fruit. Be it strawberry, blueberry, cranberry, boysenberry, all the breeze, really. Golden brown and delicious. And of course, buttery. Just as die. And of course, Michael Kane would have it. 
Oh, man. Job well done from Scotty there, as always. I mean, Michael Caine, of course. What am I saying? Uh, but Yeah, that wasn't me. What, yeah, what, what are you talking about? Special guest of the podcast, Michael Caine. Uh, great work there. As always, I encourage everyone to uh, check out Ty Butcher. He was on the uh, Triple Play podcast. So really fun ending to the season here. And let's finish strong, Scott. Some calls to the bullpen. Bullpen updates. Kyle Finnegan, four hits, four earned runs, takes his third blown save, his seventh loss of the season on Wednesday for the Marlins. Dylan Floro picked up his 12th save for the Tigers. Michael Fulmer picked up a two-inning save. Gregory Soto threw two innings the day before. For Oakland on Wednesday, Andrew Chafin gave up a run, but picked up his fourth save of the season. Lou Trevino used in the sixth and the seventh inning. And then for the Reds on Thursday, Michael Givens picked up his eighth save and now has the last four saves for the Cincinnati Reds. I hesitate to ever get excited, Scott, if I have a Reds closer on my team, a Reds closer, I'll put in quotation marks, but it looks like Michael Givens is the guy. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. And, and like, it's, it's kind of crazy here. Very end of the season. Looks like the Reds have finally settled on a guy. Looks like the Royals have finally settled on a guy in Scott Barlow. And it even looks like the Rays have finally settled on a guy in Andrew Ketridge. Five of their last seven saves. The other two were crazy three-inning saves. And it's worth pointing out. I mean, the last two seasons, the Rays eventually settled on a guy, too. Last year, it was uh, uh, Nick Anderson, and two years ago, it was Emilio Pagan. And by the end of the season, they were basically the guy. I know once the playoffs came last year, Anderson was having some health issues, and they they ended up using other guys. But, yeah, I, I don't... I don't think Kevin Cash is totally opposed to that. So Kittredge, I think, is the most interesting of that group and is available in half of all leagues. All right, let's do some to stream or not to stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I did not write these down, so we're going off the cuff here. I'm going to read these on according to ESPN, and you let me know, Scott. Who are we I, rocking with? You know, you write... What? We have probable pitchers. Too. Okay, go ahead. Should I use CBS? Where, where do I find them? I don't know. I, I, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that after the show, I guess. Uh, actually, I, I did find the little probable pitchers tab here. Should I do it? What's today's date? Uh, today is uh, 17th. Uh, how much do you trust this, Scott? MLB.com is most reliable. I used to use MLB.com, but they put up so many TBDs. Yeah, that's the why they're the most reliable. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll rock with ESPN for now. Uh, Josiah Gray versus the Rockies. We can't do it, right? No. How about Michael Pineda at the Blue Jays? No. Mm-mm. How about Luis Patino at home against the Tigers? I would rather not. I mean, it's a pretty good matchup. It's the best you've mentioned so far, but... Yeah, it, I think his last start was against the Tigers, wasn't it? And yes, and it go well. was not very good. How about Eliezer Hernandez versus the Pirates? So that's my new favorite. Still don't love it. All right. How about Taylor Hearn versus the White Sox? Nah. How about... All right, I think I found it. It's got Adrian Hauser at home against the Cubs. Um. Yeah, I guess that's a new favorite. It's... Unlikely he goes the minimum required for a quality start, but it's a stretch for Eliezer Hernandez, too. For sure. Uh, how about Brady Singer versus the Mariners? No, he really burned us last week. Yeah, it's like every he puts together a three, four star stretch, we buy in, and then he just, man, he lets us. Yeah, go. a three, four star stretch where it doesn't look like anything's different, though, you know? Yeah, it's, it's sinker slider. It's He's not very exciting. How about Cole Irvin at the Angels? Oh, that's that's not bad. That's not. He's the best choice that'll for for length. If you're looking for length, and he's coming off a great start. 
Yeah, I don't mind that one. All right, so Cole Irvin, maybe Adrian Hauser. Let's move on to Saturday. Uh, Luis Heal, man. I'm, the guy's getting strikeouts, but he's giving up a lot of home runs. He's, he's walking a lot of guys, too. He's at home against <laughs> Cleveland. Three true outcomes pitcher. <laughs> yeah. And, um, hmm, you know, all of these are desperation plays. There's not one that I said that would say you have to get this guy in your lineup, you know? Right. But, I mean, these are all under 70% roster, so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Kyle Freeland at Washington. No, he's gonna Don't pitch next. It. He's gonna pitch next week, right? Didn't you say he got? Oh pushed yeah, back? yeah, they got pushed back. I th- no, no. Well, no, no. I think he'll go Sunday, not Saturday. Any, yeah. Um, don't don't really want to use Freeland anyway. Okay, would you use either of Edward Cabrera or Bryce Wilson who are facing each other? Nope. How about no there, no there? Chris Bubich versus the Mariners. Nah. No. How about? Jose Suarez and Dalton Jeffries are going up against each other on Saturday night, apparently. No. No. Let's go on to Sunday. And how about Paolo Espino at home against the Rockies? <laughs> a really good star last time. And, you know, decent ERA and whip. No. How about uh, Dylan Peters at the Marlins? We have to be really desperate. It might go okay, but I just, I can't imagine who I'd bench for Dylan Peters. Uh, I mean, it's not a matter of benching, Scott. I think people, you know, they get to the weekend, they might be in a playoff matchup, they're desperate for a streamer, they're just trying to like pick up some strikeouts or something like that. I understand. Uh, How about... Just putting in context. I like this one. Eric Lauer against the Cubs. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that might be the best one of the weekend. Nope, nope, uh, nope. I found cut. the I found okay. the best one of the weekend. Logan Gilbert at the Royals. Yeah, that's the best one. Okay. Yeah. How about anyone else here stands out? Da 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 da. Mm, no, Rich Hill against the Phillies. Eh, not bad. It's not bad, but we like Logan Gilbert more, right? Yeah. All right. Let's wrap up with some emails, man. It is uh, it's late here, but whatever. Let's go. Uh, from Dan in Plymouth. <laughs> I am in a points league where I can only start a maximum of 10 pitchers each week. It's a daily lineup change setting, so I have a decision to make about whether I start Casey Mize, who's on an innings limit for the Tigers, or pick up one of the following for a start. So these are a lot of pitchers we just talked about, but yeah, Taylor Hearn versus the White Sox, Kyle Freeland versus the Nationals, Rich Hill versus the Phillies, Josiah Gray versus the Rockies. Uh, Chris Bubich versus the Mariners, Patrick Corbin versus the Rockies, Paolo Espino versus the Rockies. Of, of the ones he named here, I, uh, Rich Hill is probably the one I'm most in favor of. Um, but, you know, check to see if those others we were a little more enthusiastic for, uh, more enthusiastic about are also available. Agreed. Yeah, you definitely can't start Casey Mize. Agreed. Uh, from Andrew, can I drop Christian Yelich for the playoffs? I have Jesse Winker coming back. Yeah, probably. I mean, the the part of I'm partly thinking, oh, what if Yelich? This is when he finally turns it around, and your opponent picks him up, and he kills you. But uh, it just seems like such low odds of that for Christian Yelich at this point. Yeah, I know there was like a two week stretch. He was okay in August. He had an 8.29 OPS, but in September, he's no power, no power. Yeah, in September, he's got a 4.95 OPS. He gone. He gone. 
He gone. He gone. He gone. Nope. And he gone. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, last question here. Any interest in Yanni Hernandez? We've mentioned him before in a 12-team category league, or is he basically another Billy Hamilton, tons of speed slash no power? I think that's probably what you're going to get, but if you need speed, the Rangers, like, they, they let their guys run, so. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, Scott is not very enthusiastic about Yanni Hernandez. I can't blame him. All right, let's wrap there. For Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.